We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up the Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind, so when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look, delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instinct Heart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. All right, Light Years listeners, we got a special treat this week. If you don't listen to him already, Greg Olson has a TE1 podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week, we're putting in an episode with George Kittle, who is, Sam, the best tight end in the NFL. Undisputed best tight end. <laughs> yeah, so they have a... So he does a tight end series um, on his podcast. He does it up with all the big tight ends, Kelsey. Uh, we got we Kittle, got Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. It's going through the history of the position. You got Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Cole Clement. Then you go all the way back to Ozzy Newsom and Mike Ditka. I've been listening along the whole way. It's super fascinating how much the tight end position has changed over the years. It's like, it's funny when you look back at like the 50s, all the tight end was asked to do is block and maybe catch if they're on the goal line. Nowadays, the tight end might as well be like what the wing is in basketball, where they have to be like the most versatile guy. I mean, if you think about it, is George Kittle not the football equivalent of a wing? You know, need him to block, he can do it. Need him to catch balls, he can do it. Want him to run the ball, he can do it too. So this is uh, this is the most exciting thing that's happened on, on our network, on the Blue Network. It's incredible. Um, he's got all the big guys. Greg goes into starting tight end right now for uh, for the Seattle Seahawks, which is pretty incredible too. He's still in the NFL, so uh, I can't wait for this. TE1 is brought to you by the strongest, most advanced Chevy Silverado ever. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Before we kick off the show, I want to tell you that this season, NFL Sunday Ticket is elevating their game. Let's say you live in Charlotte and you're curious to see if this old guy like me has any gas in the tank out in Seattle with the Seahawks. NFLSundayTicket.tv 
lets you stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday so you never miss your favorite teams or your favorite players like me. Gone are the days of needing a satellite on your roof to enjoy every snap on Sunday. This year, you can enjoy every game all on your favorite devices. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and promo code GREG88. I'm Greg Olson, and this is TE1, the podcast where we explore the evolution of the tight end position through conversations with some of the best players of all time. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back to TE1. I'm your host, Greg Olson, and today I'm going to be talking to George Kittle. So on today's episode, we got to talk to who I think is one of the most interesting and exciting players in the entire NFL, regardless of position, and that is San Francisco 49ers' George Kittle. He's part WWE wrestler, part cartoon character, and then on Sundays, he's arguably the best tight end in the game today. And just a really good guy, just a really interesting backstory, and just a guy who, again, I think as we talk about this arc and this evolution of the position on the heels of someone like Travis Kelsey, he's just, he's the most relevant, modern voice and person that we could ask to carry this conversation forward into the present. He right now is is the standard of what an NFL tight end is, both in the run game and pass game, and I just really enjoyed this conversation with George. Just a heads up, this conversation was recorded before George signed his new contract with the 49ers. Well, first of all, thanks so much for, for joining us. This is, uh, this is exciting for me. First and foremost, mm. you've, we've, you've been a hard guy to track down the last two days. You've had <laughs> PT. I can see now, if, for anyone who obviously no one can see you but me, he's got on this like nice tank top. Traps look big. Nike. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Nike, both Nike clients. I can see you got a nice pump. You got a little shaker bottle, a little protein. All right. Because you made us wait and at 30 minutes, you got to tell us what today's workout was. Uh, so today was a lower body lift. Um, involved, uh, we did five by five front squat, three second eccentric with a three second ISO hold at the bottom. All right. So for people listening, eccentric is the lower. So when he went down, stopped. Hold okay. for three. Hold for three. And then up. All right. So we're going to challenge our listeners to do the. It was the, awful. The Kittle. It's, there's nothing worse than eccentric. I it, know. It's the worst thing ever. Except when you combine it with ISO, then it's just absolutely yeah. brutal. Then you want to just slit your, you want to just <laughs> slit your throat. Well, good, man. So obvi- for anyone who follows you on Instagram, um, you know, obviously you post a lot of the videos. I know I've seen a lot of your stuff. I've stolen mm-hmm. some of the drills. Are you still working out in the garage or have you guys oh, yeah. moved? So now is the garage at your house? Yeah, I know. I, I literally, as soon as, um, long story short, I was supposed to get married in Italy this summer. And back in like February, the whole you know country shut down. And so we're like, oh, well, it's probably going to happen in America at some point. So we just ordered a whole bunch of gym equipment. And my whole, uh, my whole garage is basically just a whole gym now. I've got a Stairmaster, like lap pull-down machine. Assault bike. It's awesome. You, buddy, you got it all. Well, the, the, one piece of equipment, the one piece of equipment I want to talk about, because I've seen your videos. I've seen it all. I want to talk about that jugs machine. Mm. How, do you use it? Like, let's be honest. I know they sent it to you, and it's sick. Blink twice if you actually use it. 
Okay, he actually uses it, so that's good. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's awesome. It's really fun. I got two guys. One was a former teammate at Iowa, and then one uh, went to high school with my wife, and then also went to the University of Iowa. So they're part of this um, part of this company called Monarch, and that's the jugs machine. And it really, it's it's really awesome, especially they use in my backyard. And you put six, it holds six balls, and it'll throw them to you at different spots. So it covers like nine different spots all over your body. Or you can uh, like run routes with it. You can put it on a football field, and you can run like six go routes. You're going to slant and end. So you really don't need a quarterback. It's pretty Perfect. fun. Tell, yeah, I mean, tell Garoppolo you don't even need him. I will see. Like I live in Nashville, with, and CJ Beathard lives here too. And then he just like disappeared, and I was like, all right, well I need a quarterback now. So it's well, been it's been really helpful. Well, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's uh, it's super cool. That that's a pretty cool deal. But you mentioned your wife. I know you're there in Nashville with your family. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to that. Let Take us back to the beginning. We all know, obviously, you've kind of burst onto the scene here in the NFL, setting records, kind of setting new benchmarks for the position. But let's go back not too long ago, considering that you're relatively young. 26, um, yeah. 26. God, I remember when I was 26. What was that? Five years ago? 10? Nine? You're 30. You're 34? 30, I'm 30, 35. 35. Quick maths, but yeah. Wow, really? That's 35, awesome. 35, dude. It's uh, It goes fast. I'll tell you, I, I remember it goes fast. I was 26 when I got traded from Chicago to Carolina, and I felt like a young stallion, and uh, here I am now. It's not well, not so much. Greg, I'll say, as, as when I grew up a diehard Bears fan, when they traded you, it was pretty tough for me. So Thank you. Yeah, I was pretty upset about that. What I found is people liked me a lot more after I got traded in Chicago than they did when I actually played there. Like people there, you would have thought I was Mike Dicka. <laughs> and uh, which I guess, hey, hindsight, man. Yeah. But uh, well, take so take us back. You were born in, in Wisconsin. I was raised in Iowa. Went to a few different schools. I know you played for your father. I know he's had a huge impact in your life. We're going to get to that here in a minute. But your whole family, mom, dad, sister, your wife, everybody, sports, it's just kind of how you're kind of made in the Kittle household. Give us a little idea of what that was like growing up in that sort of environment. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was really fun for me. I mean, uh, my dad played at Iowa. Uh, my mom played at Drake University, which is in uh, Des Moines, Iowa. Um, side fact, my mom actually is in the Hall of Fame of Iowa High School Hall of Fame for softball and basketball. She Shout aver- out to mom. Shout oh, yeah. out to mom. She averaged, uh, her batting average her senior year was 500. So, Jeez. yeah, not bad. She was she was an absolute animal. Was she a slap hitter or a power hitter? Power, dude. She rocked power. it. I think she, I think she had like 65 RBIs her senior year. That's not bad. I feel like I should be interviewing her. You should. She's a lot cooler than I am. <laughs> uh, so I had uh, my mom uh, was a big, uh, big time athlete. My dad uh, was an office lineman. But like growing up, like football is about all I ever did. We grew up. Uh, I lived on farms everywhere, so we would always just you know throw the football around, and you know that's about all I did. And then my uh, my dad actually ended up he coached me and my sister in every single sport that we played basically until high school. That's so awesome. he would just, yeah, so fifth grade football, sixth grade football, seventh, eighth. And then once I got to high school, then he was a high school coach. Um, he did the same thing with my sister. Like he was my AAU basketball coach. He was my uh, my T-ball coach. Every sport I played, he was my head coach. It was pretty fun. Like he's not the best soccer coach or baseball coach but because he's an offensive lineman. But, you know, he tried his best. That's awesome. I That, that resonates with me. My father uh, for 40 years was a high school football coach. I grew mm-hmm. up outside of New York in New Jersey. So he coached me and all my brothers. We went to the, the high school that he coached at. Um, he retired after my youngest brother went through there. But uh, So I, I understand I'm now living that world. I have a nine-year-old son and then seven-year-old twins. 
Mm. And uh, so I am flag football coach. I'm like running out of the facility on on <laughs> on a practice night at like six o'clock, trying to race to get there Saturdays for for as many games as I can. Coaching their baseball teams, trying to help with the girls soccer is a little above my pay grade. That's, yeah, true. I might have to ask your dad for some tips on that because I'm I'm struggling with the with that his, world. His thing in soccer is always be more physical than your opponents. And he usually works in soccer. Fair enough. Yeah, why not? Fair enough. That's a good coaching point. I'm going to try that seven-year-old girl's soccer on Saturday mornings. Slide tackle really hard. (laughs) And cleats up. Cleats up, of course. Cleats up. Yeah, they're not going to call anything at that age, are they? No, come on. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm I'm a little familiar. So my father went went to college with his brother. They went to um they went to college out in at Midland Lutheran College, which is in Midland uh which is in Midland, Nebraska. Oh wow. My uncle. My father's brother stayed out there, and he actually became the uh, football coach in Council Bluffs. Oh, no way. Right across the river. We always talk about going out there for the College World Series and seeing him and whatnot. My one cousin played basketball at Creighton. So we have a little familiarity out in that that world out there by you. Yeah, no, it's uh, I got a lot of like former teammates are from Council Bluffs and um, like Okaboji's out in that direction, which is like a big lake, which is a blast. Uh, so I, I'm definitely on Western Iowa sometimes, but I always grew up on the east side. So like Iowa City and uh, yep. Mount Pleasant's more my my way to go. I got you. I got you. Well, obviously. Um, all right. So talk us back. So right now, you know, we're having conversations with for over the last 60 years, some of the greatest tight ends who've ever played. Right. And the one thing that everybody shared in common, and I'm, I'm curious to see if this this stays true, is nobody played tight end as a kid. No. Nobody, including myself. No. What was your first experience as a tight end? I'm assuming you grew up as a running yeah. back. Uh, let's see. Well, like I grew up, like fun, like my dad, when he was my fifth grade coach, he made the entire team do offensive line pass setting drills. Nice. Like his, um, like his speech to our team was, hey, all of you are going to aspire to be offensive linemen, but not all of you are good enough to be that. Like some players have to be quarterbacks. Some guys have to be running back. And I was the only one that knew he was lying or – it's an interesting you, twist. It is, but like you have a bunch of fifth graders that are all like, "Oh my god!" Like you had you had like four foot tall little cornerbacks that were like, "I'm going to play left tackle." It's like, "No, you're not, man." <laughs> That's so that, awesome. So like I was always in like the blocking realm. Was always just kind of in my head. But yep. yeah, I mean, I grew up. I was a running back, defensive end, free safety, and then I got to eighth grade, and I was half the size of everybody else. So that was tough. Yeah, I didn't hear growth spurt until I was like 21. It's wild. Really? So when you were so when you're in high school, right? So let's talk. Talk to us about what what was George Kittle like in high school? Were you like the best player on the field? <laughs> oh no! You, so you weren't like the big oversized dominant force that stuck uh, out. No, my my junior year I was six one one seventy maybe. My senior year uh, I was six one one seventy one seventy five one eighty. When I like I gained seventy pounds between my senior year of high school and my senior year of college, wow. and I grew two inches, so that was nice. Whatever's in that shaker bottle. If, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I got lucky. Like I said, like I hit puberty at literally the age of 21. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, no, in high school, I was a wide receiver free safety. So I think I put my hand in the dirt like twice to play tight end. We'd run a couple bootlegs, but that was about it. So so now you start getting recruited. Yeah. Obviously, you end up at Iowa. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk here in a minute. I know you grew up, a guy that I also grew up really aspiring and watching and studying in Dallas Clark. I know he oh, was yeah. a guy that made a huge impact on you. But now when, when colleges were coming to, to recruit you and you end up going to Kirk Ferentz at Iowa, was it to play tight end or were you still in that like body size where you could have just been like a solid outside receiver type? But Yeah, maybe, uh, like, 
my only offers really were I had Weber State and I had Air Force and Navy were my only offers. And then on signing day, I got an offer from Iowa because they had like two or three guys that went to other schools. Interesting. Yeah. So that was I, I was pretty you know happy about that because my dad played there and you know following the footsteps was always fun. Yeah. Uh, I think my first day on campus, I was like six two, one ninety eight or two hundred pounds. And then they're saying, hey, we're going to put you with the tight ends, just see what happens, like try it out. And after my freshman year, because I, I mean, I, I was like, I was okay, but I didn't really, I never really blocked before or anything like that. Uh, I almost got moved to outside linebacker. So I'm pretty glad I didn't move to outside linebacker. I'm glad I stayed at tight end. Yeah, I think it's worked out. Yeah, it's all right. But so after my freshman year and I stayed at tight end, and that's kind of just when I, then I was a full tight end after that. But uh, when I first got there, they just were like, we're just going to see what you can do. Interesting. And now that tight end group that you joined, when you look back, I mean, Noah Fant, yourself, Mm -hmm. C.J. Fedorowicz. I mean, you had a crowded room there. Mm -hmm. And little did you know, a few years later, when you get drafted to San Francisco, you were going to find yourself in a crowded room. Talk about what that was like as a young guy who's changing positions, which is very common amongst the tight end world. But now you find yourself with NFL caliber guys. I mean, Noah Fant's a first-round pick. C.J. Fedorowicz has played in the league for years. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what experiences did you pull out of competing every day just to find yourself able to get on the field what what did you draw from that that has kind of allowed you to keep this edge now as you've gotten you know obviously so successful at the next level so my freshman year I had uh Fedorowicz was a junior um another his name was uh, Ray Hamilton who was like a 6'6 uh you know tight end and then um below them was Jake Doozy who was a really, really good tight end, very similar to me. Uh, he actually got hurt his senior year, which is was tougher. You know, it was just awful. But And then my cousin, Henry, uh, was actually a tight end as well in the room. So that cool. was really fun. And so it was us five, and then uh, Steve Ferentz was a tight end, Coach Ferentz's son. He was yeah. in the room for one year before he switched over to center. Um, that's a tough transition. That's tight end tough. center. That's, that's tough. tough. That's yeah. tough. <laughs> but, yeah, so, so when your dad's but, the coach, when your dad's yeah, the coach, you got nobody to call up and bitch to. <laughs> no, you don't. It's like, ah, hey, dad. Nope, you're going to center. Okay, Go sounds center. good. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, but so like in that room, it, it was really fun. What I loved about like our tight end room was everyone was like really good friends with each other. And so, and the fact that I had my cousin in there who I grew up with and like we were best friends growing up. So he kind of just took me under his wing and like really helped me transition throughout, you know, those first couple of years. Cause like I was stuck at like 220 for three years at Iowa, which is tough to play tight end as like 220 and try to run block. And it was really that, that spring ball going into my redshirt junior year uh, that I ended up gaining like an extra 20 pounds and just kind of figured it out. But it definitely took me like three years to realize like, hey, football's a little bit harder than high school, like college football is, so you got to really figure it out. But, yeah, like you said, the competition was awesome every single day, like getting to see that. And then, like, really, like Noah Fant came in. That was my senior my senior years when Noah and TJ Hawkinson came in. And I was like, well, I'm kind of glad I'm getting out because those guys are going to do some damage at the college level for sure. Yeah, I mean, you, you've been – your entire college career, I mean, you just named four guys. I mean, two other – two first-round picks – Fedorowicz played for a while, obviously yourself. I mean, in a four-year run, four- or five-year run, I mean, I guess the only school that could probably beat that would be Miami. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Hey, it was what, too easy. It was too easy. It was what, too easy. What school had two tight ends go in the first round? That's true. You guys do hold that. That's true. That's you guys, sick. No, you got – trust me, I get it. But it, it's funny because when I was when I was reading kind of a little of your backstory, and obviously I I followed you and, and I'm familiar with, with your career in college – it reminded me a lot, though, when I got to Miami, I never thought in a million years I was ever going to be able to play there. I mean, I remember calling my dad the first time I got there, and I was like, Dad, like, I thought I was good. I was recruited nationally. Like, and I got down there. We had Kellen Winslow, Kevin Everett, 
Um, Shockey had just graduated. Bubba Franks. I mean, the 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 legacy of tight ends there was serious. Oh, yeah. And I'm a scout team little 225 pound freshman. I break the huddle and I look across and it's DJ Williams and Sean Taylor and Jonathan Vilma that, and I'm running <laughs> scout team routes. And I, I remember oh, calling yeah. my dad that first night. I'm like, I'm not sure I could play there, but the point that you made about the competition every day, both amongst the tight ends and just yeah. across the team. I know if I didn't go through that as a young player, I would not have been able to build those kind of lessons and foundations oh, yeah. to have a long career. No, of course. Like my freshman year, when I was on scout team, it was which is also fun because C.J. Beth, who was my quarterback for the Niners, was my scout team quarterback my freshman year in Iowa. Yeah, and he would slice and dice everybody. But every day I'd go against Anthony Hitchens, you know, with the Chiefs, uh, Christian Kirksey, who just signed with the Packers. Like Micah Hyde was on that team, and I would just get torched every. Like I would get just crushed. I mean, like, and I mean, in Iowa, it was just like you know, like you thud up. But really, when you're on scout team, you just get tackled and thrown to the course, ground. They don't, yeah. care. they don't care about you. No, no one cared about anything. But yeah, it's like that this, that experience of really getting like beat up all the time, I think definitely helped my mindset moving forward. Because like, all right, well, that's the level I have to play at, and I have to play better than that if I want to be better than them. So like I said, it took me a couple of years to really figure that out, but it definitely helped. Yeah. So Kirk Ferentz is a guy that I, my father actually knew for a really long time. And a funny story, when my, my older brother, Chris, who was graduated high school in 2002, so when he was getting recruited by Iowa, he took one of his official visits to Iowa, and I thought he was going to go there. He loved it. Point of my story, I had a younger brother who's 10 years younger than me, so he was probably like six or seven. And as like a recruiting ploy, Kirk Ferentz sent an official offer to my like six-year-old brother, and he hung it up in his room when he was six. That's awesome. Signed, offer, scholarship. And until he, like, moved away to go to college, he had an offer from the University of Iowa signed by Kirk Ferentz for 10 years. That is awesome. Yeah, so we we always thought Iowa. We kind of resonated with the folks out at Iowa. But speaking of that, the offense you find yourself in now, obviously we're going to dive deeper into it, is very similar. I mean, not many colleges were doing zone run games, tight Mm -hmm. ends in three-point positions. So not only are you an undersized guy trying to learn the position – you're not playing in a spread offense in oh, no. two-point stances catching 80 balls. Your hand's on the ground with these big old horse offensive linemen, and you're running zone, and you're under center, and you're running play action. But little did you, little did you know that it's very similar to what you're being asked to do now in San Francisco. Yes. I mean, how so, awesome is that? Well, it's it's honestly the probably the best pop like situation for me to get into because when I got to like obviously like the schemes are different and you have to learn it's like a way different learning curve but like I had the basics down because I did it for five years at the University of Iowa so like when I stepped onto the field for like you know coach Shanahan and like Mike McDaniels their run game I was five years ahead of everybody else because like I got the footwork I got the angles I got like the concept of what we were trying to do so that definitely helped with my transition and then like the play action stuff like if you figure out like if you're good at the run stuff play action super easy like you you figure out how to you know sneak through linebacks and stuff like that but definitely I figured I thought of it as an advantage and like I said I had CJ there my rookie year as well so like that was even more so he helped me with it as well but uh definitely helped like it it, did, it translated perfectly and I I know like coach Shanahan's offense is a little bit more um, diverse and it does a lot more with emotions and all that stuff. But the, the basic concepts are the same and being able to take that, what I learned at Iowa to the next level was awesome. Yeah, I saw that offense uh, firsthand when we came down to uh, Dude, San Fran. It, it didn't go great for us. That was uh, 
that was a clinic and offense. Well, well, my first start of my career, we played you guys at home. We got I, that one. Yeah, well, I come out in the field. It's my first start. They're like, hey, you're just going to start. Whereas I just got off of I pulled my hammy in camp, right? This was crazy. I pulled my hammy in camp. I missed two weeks. I played one game, preseason game, scored a touchdown, and the next day they traded Vance McDonald. That's right. right. And so they're like, hey, look, you're like, this, this is your job like to lose. And I was like, okay, cool. Next day of practice, I tweaked my hammy again. So I'm out the rest of the preseason, uh, and then they're just like, hey, look, like, we're just going to, hey, go for it, man. So I get out to the Carolina, like, I get to the Panthers. First person I see is Cam Newton warming up right in front of me, who's like, for some reason, he looked like he was seven feet tall. He is. Just massive. I was like, okay, that's cool. First play of the game, we're in a, I'm pretty sure we're in a play action. I'm blocking Julius Peppers, who I was playing with in Madden 2007. And I was like, dude, this is so cool. <laughs> so true. I was like, oh, my God. I remember that game. We came out to you guys. and Crushed. Uh, it was 20, I think it was 20-0. Yeah. We went forward on fourth down five times, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you, listen, you guys were just building something special. But I want to go back. So you're a fifth-round draft pick in 2017 mm-hmm. coming out. And in reality, probably, I don't know if anyone really knew what the expectations were you. But when you hear, yeah. Kyle, when you hear Kyle Shanahan talk, he saw something that I don't know if universally everyone across the country, I don't know if it's, he just liked your background at Iowa or he just saw some unique traits that he knew fit with what he wanted to do. But you come in as a rookie, just like you said, they thought highly enough of you that they trade Vance McDonald to Pittsburgh. And then as a rookie, you go in and you beat five other guys out and day one against the Panthers, you're lining up trying to block Julius Peppers as a starter, right? Like, but again, I think there's something to that where you weren't the top 10 pick, you weren't the first round pick, but here you are on game, you know, by game one, you were able to make up so much ground, like was it a mental approach? Was it a physical approach? Like, give people an uh, you know insight to what that from being drafted in the fifth round, which in the NFL yeah. you're not even guaranteed. Not guaranteed. To, you're not even guaranteed to make the roster, let alone find yourself as a day one starter. Mm-hmm. Talk us through that from a mental approach. What it took for you physically to get there? Like I said, so I got really lucky. One, the run game was pretty similar to everything that I had ever done at Iowa. So, like like I said, I had a, like my step I had a, a step ahead on everybody else. And also I had CJ there to help me with stuff, but it was mostly just um, my tight end coach did a great job. John Embry, he did, he does a really good job of taking whatever the offense is and just simplifying it to the point of, Hey, it's outside zone. Is the Sam on the ball? Block the Sam. Is the Sam off the ball? You're going to triple or like, you know, double team with the tackle. I love it. I love triple. Triple is what I call it. We don't in Seattle, we don't call it triple anymore. And it's like blowing my mind. It's awful. (laughs) Don't triple. It's a triple. It's a triple. This is my dad in the background. What's up, oh, dad? Sorry. Yeah. No, you're good, man. Tell I him I said what's up. He says what's up. Hey, man. <laughs> big fan. Thank you. Appreciate it. We're going to talk a lot about him here in a minute. He said he's going to talk about you a lot later. Oh, shit. Okay, so transition. Um, like I said, like the run game. Um, but really it was my, my tight end coach, he helped me really like simplify it. And he always just told me that his, he just always said, hey, look, Every time you get a chance out there is an opportunity to show us why you should start. And an OTA, I actually had a really, really good rookie OTAs. Like I had, you know, plenty of the mental mistakes and all that stuff. But like I made a lot of big plays as a rookie at OTAs from like the leaks on play actions, like long touchdowns and stuff like that. And it just kind of translated into camp. Like my first week at camp went really well. And like I said, I pulled my hammy like. The first day of pads, my rookie year, so I thought I was getting cut right there. Yep. But I, I'd put enough like good stuff on tape and OTAs where they really liked it. And then when I came back for that one preseason game I played in my rookie year, I think I had a touchdown. I, I truck sticked a guy. I don't really know how. Like I don't remember much of it. I blacked out. But 
that's just kind of what happened. Uh, I don't know if you ever experienced that. Like when something really cool happens, you just you're like, all right, I don't know how that happened. I haven't, but. I haven't truck sticked as many guys as you, but uh, <laughs> but I get it. Sometimes yeah. when you're just feeling it, you're feeling it. Yeah, you're just feeling it. And so I had a lot of really good practice reps. I like I said, I knew the I knew the offense well enough where I could go out there and not just be a total liability. Um, and then I, I, I like I said, I made plays when like they called my number. And like that's what the biggest thing is is when you get your number calls young, you got to take advantage of that opportunity. Otherwise, you're just gonna never. You know, take that next step. Yeah. And and it's, it's very fitting, your father walking across the back of the screen. You've had a lot of people that have impacted, right, your life, your, your parents, your family, just growing up in a sports background, mm-hmm. your father still to this day. You're growing up, you're a huge fan of Dallas Clark. Yeah. The other guys throughout the league, the Tony Gonzalez's, the Wittens of the world, Gronkowski, Kelsey's mm-hmm. rolling. You kind of entered the league at a time where the tight end position was really as high as it had ever been. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit about the impact those guys had, starting obviously from the beginning with Dallas. Yeah. And then just other guys around the league that as a 2017, 2018 George Kittle, like who were the guys that really stood out to you that said, all right, I could be like that guy or I need to do what that guy's doing? Hmm. Well, it was actually pretty fun. My um, So I was a kid growing up when I lived in Iowa. We had season tickets to Iowa football games. And so I'm pretty sure I, I saw Dallas Clark play every single one of his games. In college, which is always really, I mean, that was awesome for me. Like, I went to all of his games. I got to watch him. When I started playing fantasy football, Dallas Clark was the first person off my board. It was him and then Ron Dane, who was also one of my favorite football players. From New Jersey. Oh, yeah, he's a monster. I love Ron Dane. He's Yeah, he's my favorite all-time player. So, just growing up in Wisconsin. My junior and senior year of college, my tight end coach, um, he made us watch film. He picked out five NFL guys and, like, two college guys for us to watch. And we did that back-to-back. I think we did it two or three times. And so I went from watching, like, Gronk, I watched you, I watched Kelsey, um, I had Shannon Sharp, Jason Witten, and, like, he would just he would just feed us guys to watch. And, like, one of my favorite things he always taught me was, you don't, like, you're not going to be, like, you're not going to be Gronk, you're not going to be Travis Kelsey, you're not going to be Greg Olson, but you can take parts from all their games and apply it to you. And so that's, that's kind of what I tried to do all the time, whether it was releases, hand fighting, like, physicality in the run game I just try to watch something and be like hey I think I can do that and I'd go out and practice it and I would just try to add it to my arsenal stuff and so I kind of feel like I don't know I just tried to be like a melting pot of all the NFL tight ends that I thought were really good and that's kind of what like 2016 like 2017 my rookie year that's what I did and um it was actually really funny my what like really helped me another I just remembered it uh I don't know you know Logan Paulson yeah he was a tight yeah. end all right yep. so Logan Paulson was there my rookie year you know, like coaches talk to players, and then as a rookie, you don't really hear everything that coaches say. So he was a guy that would reiterate it and help me understand it. So he did a great job with that, and he always helped me with my footwork in the run game because, like, what I really struggled with at Iowa was I'd always – like, you know, like if you have a big second step, you're yep. just going to fall off the block and all yep. that stuff. You yep. don't have a chance. So he was – like, he helped me with that that footwork. And like him and Garrett Selleck, who just retired. And yep. uh, so those two were always – they were so helpful for me my rookie year because they are two vets who understood – like, all they did was run blocking. Yep. And so, like, hey, if you build up your confidence in run game, then the pass stuff will just be easy. So like that's kind of what I, I my mindset growing forward was the more dominant I can be in the run game than the, all the pass game stuff is easy like hey as long as I dominate this uh, this will just come with it. Do you do you remember specifically like what parts of certain guys like do you remember what you took from Gronk what you took from Kelsey like do you remember anything specific? Uh, Kelsey I always watch red zone stuff because he just pulls down ten touchdowns a year and like I swear eight of them are just within the twenty yard line. Yeah, and it's from like his uh, his corner posts. 
to just anything. He runs that the best. He runs that better than anybody. I know he does. It's he sit. He kind of nods and sits on that outside leg and crosses that safety's face. Does great. Like he's always he's so good at it. He makes that so easy. Um, the amount I've you like you call it Carolina scout routes, right? Yep. I think I've watched you run thousands of those because like the backside stuff. Oh yeah, you just by yourself split open. You just run a ten yard like it's the easiest. Like I. I want to run that so badly. We're working on it. But they don't let you do it? We're getting it. We're getting it. We're working it in. Like we're working oh, it you in. You can't. Yeah, I know. You it's can't so, stop. It's stealing. It's stealing. But I've it's, made my career off that. I know. That's what I, and that's then what as, I watch. And then as they start out leveraging you and that corner starts widening, we would read it. And when we would run at that leverage and we'd take the post and we'd kind of catch it behind that hook curl guy and we would have a three-way go. Yep. Man, we've Cam, – Cam and I – Cam really liked that. It was, and, and it's we, cheating. Yeah, like it, it was, literally is. It's like it's a guaranteed. And then as soon as they sit on it, all right, I'll just go this way then. Yep, that's and it. it's, it's over. So yep. from that, that's what I got from you. I watched a hundred thousand of those. Um, Gronk from what? Like what I really liked watching Gronk was, um, you know, like how he runs. I don't know you call it a through route, a special route. Yep. How he like when he have his man to man on his special routes, he runs like a two yard route. He just and bangs he just him, bangs, and yep. he's gone. Yep. And so like it took me a while to realize that you don't like. Just because it's drawn on paper, it doesn't mean you have to do that. Like you do have freedom as a like a receiver running your routes. Like you don't not everything's drawn on paper, and that's one thing I like like watching Gronk about. Everything he did was he like you would never coach it. Nope. But it always works for him. Yep. And I know it's like he's six seven two sixty, and I, that's just who he is. But you can take some of that to an extent, like just how he would he would like just give a nice little step, give him a nice little shoulder shove, and hey, you catch it, hey, try to tackle me. Yep. So that was one thing I always liked watching from him. Um, I've watched tons of Tony Gonzalez tape just with because uh, John Embry coached him when he was at Kansas City. So I mean, he would just show me. Uh, I think Tony was so great at playing off of like he caught everything outside of his body frame. You know, like how much extra like so like being open in the NFL is what like one yard maybe like that's open because everyone's so fast in the NFL. Everyone's always on like everyone's grabbing, holding, doing all this stuff. So if you can get one yard of separation and catch the ball out in front of you. That's that's how you catch the football in the NFL. And Tony now more than ever, such a great job. I mean, there's playing the Jets. And your You're on a corner route with Visa triple cover. The National Football Caught, League, like, ripped it out of a guy's hands, broke a tackle, and scored. Move the ball nuts. down. Like, that's the stuff. Like, that's Small what he would always show me. It's just Tony Gonzalez. Everything in new times. Thanks to teammates like you and Visa. Because when everyone pitches in, everyone benefits. Being loyal to local We're going to take a quick break. Nice to make sure you stay tuned for more from and our communities. Because they know where you shop matters, Visa urges you to support local retailers who are making shopping safe and reliable. And remember, tap to pay with a contactless Visa wherever you see the contactless symbol to help support your community. Visa, official partner of the NFL. Another quick reminder that this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv lets you stream all the live, out-of-market NFL games every Sunday, so you never miss a snap from tight ends like me, Travis Kelsey, or George Kittle. Gone are the days of needing a satellite on your roof to enjoy every snap on Sundays. This year, you can enjoy every game on all your favorite devices. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88. At checkout, you will get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88.
when I talked to Tony for one of these episodes, the one thing that he talked about that he wanted to separate himself from the rest of the, the league was he, and it was in his own words, he said, I never felt like I was ever covered. He goes, that guy could have been right on me, but he said my size, he, we were, we really dove back into his basketball background and body control and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And he just said, I knew in my head that I was never covered. And no matter how close the guy was to me in coverage, I could just go up, attack the ball with two hands yep. and find a way to come down with it. And I said, well, yeah, we, all us guys kind of coming up in your wake. We, we saw it. Yeah, we saw it. We yeah, saw that's, it, buddy. That's why you had what, how many, 15,000 yards? Yeah. I mean, I mean could you imagine? Oh, oh my. holy shit. Sounds, it sounds, excuse me. Nope. This is, you can say whatever you want. Oh, okay, cool. You, you go, just unleash it, <laughs> unleash it. No, I can't do that. I'll get in trouble. Yeah, that's all right. But so, yeah, no, yeah, it was fun. Rick. Watching Tony was great. I'm trying to think. Oh, and then uh, I always watch like Shannon Sharp with his, um, everything he caught, he tried to score with. Yep. And I was just like, and I think Gronk does the same thing. Like he's like, try to like, I'm going to try to score. But Sharp, like his explosion coming out of all the cuts and stuff, he would catch it and he would drop seven, get vertical so fast. And that's what makes guys miss. And so like watching that was, you know, pretty inspiring. Cause like I try to do that every time, every time, like, you know, you just catch like a five yard hook. I'm trying to get vertical as I'm catching the ball. Cause that makes the two guys that are pinching you, yep. you slip right through them. Yep. That's worked for me really well. And then Jason Witten just watching, like we have, you know, the Witten release just stem down up and then out. Yep. And it's just, it's a way to mess with guys. Like even if you're not the fastest, I mean, he's still open every time. It's like he's it's still running. Around. Yeah, it's it's it doesn't even, it doesn't make sense. And he doesn't even look like he's going very far. Like he's and, then, not, and, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he's two yard separation. You're yep. just like, wait, yep. how did you do that? It's an art form, man. And it really and, is. And I'll tell you, the one thing I would tell you when I was younger, I don't think I appreciated just what it meant to be a route runner that I do now. Right? You, oh, yeah. you get a little slower. You're not quite as fast twitch as you were when you were 26. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be something that. You just always are going to learn, and whether it's by learning from bad releases or bad routes or I didn't get as much yep. separation, as you get older, you're going to – I wish I knew the releases and the stems and setting up routes that I know now. I wish I could run like I used to. With the information I have now, <laughs> yeah. I, would have, I might have been able to catch more, more yards like oh. you. So 2017, <laughs> you, pop, you pop out 500-plus yards, which for a tight end in the NFL, 500 yards as a rookie is a yeah. lot, is a lot. Yeah. It's but, hard. Then, but then I don't know if anybody saw coming what went down in 2018. I mean, yeah, I was, I was wild. That was, I mean, I remember watching it. And I'm saying, I'm like, this guy out in San Francisco is in his second year, and this guy's going insane every week. You end up setting. You and Kelsey have kind of like the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa home run derby going, mm-hmm. and he beats the record. And then within an hour, you end up setting the record for the most yards ever in a single season by a tight end, like. What was that year like? I know as a team, you guys had your ups and downs and had yeah. your struggles. Quarterback, you know, you brought in Jimmy G. We'll talk about him in a minute. Then he gets hurt. But just what was that year like? Is your second year in the league, and next thing you know, you're breaking records that have stood for 10 years. Yeah, wow. Uh, it was wild. Like, I, I will, like, attribute a lot of it to, like, that offseason going into my second year was a huge offseason for me. Like, I moved to Nashville. I ran routes with CJ every single day. I ran routes with – I trained with uh, my teammate Trent Taylor, who's a slot receiver for us. Yep. And I just – I spent that whole offseason just trying to – because, like, you know, like, as a rookie, you still have that kind of baby fat, and, like, you're still growing into your body and stuff like that. I like, I think I lost I lost a lot of, like, body fat weight, and I was able to build more muscle. And it was more of just, like, I figured it out, like, Coach Shanahan's offense. Like, my rookie year, I probably, like – you know, like, 
for example, when you get into a game and like you get into your stance, and then wait, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do. It's like the worst feeling of all time. Yep. Yeah. So like that was my whole rookie year. And you play like, slow. And you play yeah, slow. It's just not good. And so like figuring it out and then having that extra OTAs, having that extra camp, I figured out like all everything I was supposed to do. Like I changed up my routines and everything. Like I was much more studious with like my playbook and stuff. And so I knew that going into every single game, if I knew exactly what I was supposed to do, I was going to be able to play fast. And so that's, that was my biggest thing. I just studied 24-7. That's all I did. Like, as soon as we got the install, I'd go home. I'd spend the whole night studying. Next day's install, I'd study all that. That's that's really what I did, and that was a huge thing for me. And then um, I'm pretty sure, like, after, like, three games in the season, I was at, like, 150 yards receiving. And then Jimmy got hurt against the Chiefs. I had a good game that game. But then after that, like, CJ came in, and since we were in college, I mean, he was just like, hey, look, just you're open. Like, I'm just throwing you the ball. So that was awesome. Like, that There's was really fun. Better. No, there's nothing Backup better. quarterbacks, in my what experience, backup quarterbacks. I told this story to one of the other guys. So I played with Cam 99% yeah. of the games. But yeah. the handful of games that he missed, Derek Anderson was our backup. If DA was playing, I was going to have 300 yards a game. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I knew going in he was going to throw me 15 balls. We were going to complete 10 to 12. Yeah. There's backup quarterbacks. Or it, it, anytime a starter goes down, it's like the end of the world. Yep. But like secretly to a tight end, selfishly, you know your day is going to get busy and you're going to be productive as hell. Yeah, no, I mean that, that that was, and like we have a like we had guys that we could feed and like get the ball to, but um, we like I think after when Jimmy got hurt, we did a lot more like run game, a lot more play action, and like I thrive in play action, yep. like like running a shallow on a play action is my favorite route in football. Because as soon as you get past those backers, you get the ball. You got one guy to hit you. If you make a miss, it's a touchdown. Yep. So like that, I love that play. And like, we just ran a ton of play action. Um, and then we just kept having good games. And I, I think I don't know we played the Chargers. And like I wasn't really thinking anything of like stats or yards like that. And I had, like I think I had an 85 yard touchdown, 82 yard touchdown against the Chargers. And I was like, holy cow, that was awesome. Like let's just keep doing that and stuff. And so we just uh, after that one, like Coach Shannon kept giving me like. A, like a big play here, a big play there, like the, on the install. Because, like, you know what plays are going to you and what aren't, yeah. right, you know, and the install stuff. And so you got – and, like, what Coach Shanahan always says, and like I said, my coach, my tight end coach always says, like, just take advantage of your opportunity. Like, I'm giving you the opportunity here. you got to catch the ball and you got to run and score. And so that, that just keep you know, kept increasing. Um, I kept playing well. Um, and it just kind of, you know, just kept going from there. And then um, Nick Mullins came in because CJ, like, tore a tendon or something in his hand, and so then Nick comes in, and I'm pretty sure he threw me, like, 10 balls a game, which was awesome. <laughs> he was just trying to get rid of that sucker. <laughs> I mean, if you if you watch the Raiders game, he made some th- – he started the game off, like, eight for eight, and then he was just like, like – I had a, that one-handed catch. I ran the wrong route, and he just closed his eyes and threw it. Yeah. And I was like, sick, man, thanks. Hey, you run the wrong route, you catch the ball. That's the rule in the <laughs> NFL. Yeah, no, I didn't – it was – you know, hey, so stick nods, right? Yeah. You know, if, if it's – Split safeties, you bend it in. If it's, yeah. if it's one single, you keep it in the Stay two. wide, yep. It was single high. I cut, I cut it across the field. You just got to play ball, man. Just got to hey, play ball. I, I, I always told guys, I don't run routes on paper. No. Whatever, I said, I'm just going to run to where they're not. Mm-hmm. And if they're out there, you got to see me go inside and vice versa. I said, let's not make this hard, man. I'm going to run no. where they're not within some confines of the play. Just put it on me. Please, I, just put I, it on So I, you're not going to get any arguments from me. This is, <laughs> this is a safe zone. I talked to Kelsey um, about what it was like coming in with a guy like Andy Reid coming mm-hmm. up, right? Every Wednesday we come in, we have the first install, first and second down, run game, pass game. 
for you to come in with a guy like Shanahan, whose who's offensive pedigree, his history, obviously mm-hmm. being around his father as a young kid all the way now as the play caller head coach, what is a Wednesday like for you to come in? Like the excitement level, when we were rolling, there was you know five or six years, like Wednesday morning, I couldn't wait to see like what wrinkle we had, yeah. what new formation I was going to line up in, what new route, like, and I can only imagine what it's like for you and the amount of things that they do with you, and then you put Kyle Shanahan there, like, what is that weekday prep like, and how excited are you to come see what they have in store? So there's two two parts to this. The first part where I'm not excited for is Wednesdays, my tight end coach always makes us meet a half hour earlier, because tight yeah. ends, we motion and adjust like 80% of the time yeah. out of the motions, yep. and so we do like a 30-minute meeting of just the motions on the, like, the, he's like, hey, look, like, That's I don't know what, I don't, like, I don't know what it is, but you're going to start out here. Like, is there anything better than, like, you start outside the wide receiver motion all the way across, and then you're, like, you're on a go? And you're exhausted by the time yeah. the ball snapped? Yeah, it's just... It's, I hate motioning. It's, I, I motion, yeah. I hate it. The, I can't see where... Like, I always tell my guys, like, you want to motion, fine. But, like, mostly just let me line up, let me see where everybody is, snap the ball, and I'm going to rip it. So, like, I don't for, need, yeah. uh, drives for me nuts. So, like, what I learned is, like, my tight end coach always, he's like, hey, you got to motion way faster. I'm like, if I motion fast, then I can't see anything. So I have probably the slowest motions in the NFL. I just do. Because I'm like, okay, I got a motion, and, okay, there's the safety. It's man-to-man. All right, now I know what's going on. So, like, I use it now, like, and I also use it to catch my breath at this point because I motion so slow. And it's it's You have to. Oh, you have to. Trust me, bud. Yeah, I know. So I feel it, like this yeah. is like a therapy session. Like I feel like <laughs> I feel like you're able to get a lot of things off your chest knowing that I'm on your side. It, it is. It's so like that's I, what I also I tight it, ends man. are the best. I There's get no it. one better than tight ends. Of course, tight ends love each other. We have each other's back, and we all experience the same stuff. I I get it. I get it. <laughs> well, I, you know, now that you brought it up, I was going to talk about it later, but now that you brought it up, I do have a bone to pick. Yep. So you started last year this National Tight Ends Day. Yeah. It happened to be, at least the time it was brought up to me where they were miking everybody, was the day we played you guys. Yeah. It was supposed to be a huge matchup, and we were coming off. We were doing good, and you guys were, I think, undefeated still. Yeah, I think we are 5-0, and 6-0. Didn't go great for us. No. The game didn't go great. I only caught one ball. So National Tight End Day was not great. But, but, but. But. You have this championship belt. Yeah. How come I've never gotten the belt? You have to win. So this is how I understood it. You have to win the fantasy football points. You had to have okay. the most points of the week. Got it. That's what it was. Because I might have to yeah. go back a few years. <laughs> no, no, you got to. Yeah, dude, Seattle, you're going to get playing. Maybe, Don't worry maybe about this it. year. This year. All yeah, right. Yeah, so okay, I feel better now. I thought yeah, yeah. you chose. No. Like I no, was no, seeing no. like Earths got it, and all these guys got it, and I was like, what the hell, man? I thought like <laughs> show some love to the old guy and send him the belt. No, it was actually just a little bit of resentment because during the combine, you commented that my stance was too tight and I couldn't run block in the NFL. And so I was like, you know what, Greg? Screw yes. you, man. Yes, <laughs> it's coming out. Our therapy session. How long? You've waited three years to tell me that. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. I probably pumped your tires up hard, though. I probably gave you a lot of compliments. No, so it was the funny part. My dad actually sent me the clip and goes, what the fuck does this guy know? Did he really? <laughs> Did he really? <laughs> yeah, he said, uh, excuse my language, but yes. Because it, it was a run blocking drill, which is run blocking at the combine is tough in general because it's so no, tough. It's awful. Like, did hey, you, have you widened your stance? Oh, yeah, 100%. So I was you right. You weren't, you weren't wrong, but the way you said it, my dad was offended. <laughs> tell your dad, if he's in the room, tell your dad right now, no hard feelings. 
Hey, Greg says hard feelings. <laughs> oh, that's all. I, I feel a lot better. I feel like I had to get that off my chest because oh, I feel so like funny. I was left out. I was left out of like the tight end belt family. See, I only got it back one more time. That was tough. I wanted it. Did you say, hey, so here's the thing. So on the belt, right? This is funny. This is Zach Ertz, right? Get this. So the belt, right? It, they put a picture of it on me. And then on the side, where the, that's where you're supposed to, it says like week nine, like most points. And so like Noah Fant signs there. Week 10, Travis Kelsey signs there. Zach Ertz just signed across my face. <laughs> I was like, dude, Zach, what? And he was like, I, they didn't tell me where to sign it, dude. I was like, oh my goodness. It's right across my face. Are you going to keep it going this year? I mean, I think we should. Well, you it was really to. cool. Yeah, you well, like you how it to. ended was they auctioned it off and it like sold for like six thousand oh, dollars, and all the awesome. all the money went to the Iowa Children's Hospital. Done. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, let's keep it going. And it was also really fun. As a family friend, ended up buying it too. Oh, that's dude. You, let's do, do it again, man. That'll be fun. Maybe, maybe this year I can participate. Maybe I think we should just we should put a bunch of tight ends on the front. That's all I'm in. Hey, take it and run with it, man. That's your day. Okay, I like it. It is fun. I don't see like, hey, I, the only reason I started that was because I just don't think tight ends are appreciated enough. They're not. That's why we're no. doing this series. We got just, some of the all-time greatest, two, the two best of, of today. I mean, you and Kelsey obviously have done things that I don't think anyone ever anticipated anyone ever doing, and let alone do it every single year. So, all right, so you brought up your dad, and now that I know he hates me, um, <laughs> let's let's talk about that a little more because obviously I grew up, my father – has had the greatest impact on me, obviously not as a, not only as a football player, but just who I am, has been my coach since I was able to walk all the way up through high school, still calls me after my NFL games. I'm 35. He still calls me. I could have 160 yards and eight touchdowns, but like a ball on the sideline I didn't come up with. And the first thing he'll say, what happened on that ball on the sideline? Did it get away from you? I'm like, Dad, I just had nine <laughs> yeah, catches. <what? laughs> I had nine catches, and you're going to bust my balls about that? So your father, I, I know a lot of people, and you've talked about it a lot, but I think it's really cool. Like those letters he sends to you that you read to yourself every day. Just talk about the impact that your father has had on you, that he still has on you, and just what that relationship is like. Uh, well, like my dad's my best friend. Um, I think it, it took me a while to realize, like you know, like in college, you're not, you know, hey, I'm doing my own thing. I'm in college, like I'm head yep. honcho. I'm all this. Yep. But really, like. Towards the end of my career, I really started to appreciate the letters. And, like, early on, um, the first year I played at Iowa, when we started doing the letters, it was really fun for me because it was like – I didn't really talk to my dad that much in college because, like I said, you know, you're out doing your own stuff. But that was, like, a way for us to communicate, and it was just a way for us to keep our relationship going. And the letters just kind of grew and grew, and um, they went from – you know, it's kind of like my mental preparation too because, like, that was the first thing I do, like, on game day, like, you know – you kind of have to flip a switch to play football. And that was like my first, like that's my first step of getting that switch. Like flipped. bashing your head against the wall. That's the last one. Got it. Got yeah, it. That's, that's on the way out of the Got it. Room. My bad. I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my head. I got it. Go ahead. Yeah, no. Well, hey, on that, bash your head against the wall. The first hit in a football game is the worst. I get it. So head to the wall. There's the first hit. There, nothing else is going to hurt. Remember, this is judgment-free zone. I'm, I'm <laughs> on your side. I'm on your side. I also puke before every game, so that's fun too. It's just off. I don't but you know, got dude. a lot going on before the I'm game. A, I'm a mess, man. I'm just trying to warm up. I'm just trying to see if I can get my body temperature up so I can run on the first play. <laughs> just trying to get a little sweat going. Oh, my go. God. You'll, you'll get there. You'll, you'll get there. The, the first series is always the worst because you, you don't breathe. warm up. You can't breathe. You're not warmed up. It's the worst. The first series is just always brutal. It's awful. I, there's nothing. Like, uh, like, it's like so, what am I going to do? Over warm up? 
I, buddy, you're going to tell me the, fir- the first four plays of the game, I, it's like I'm not going to make it through the first quarter. You're breathing heavy. Your legs feel – yeah, it's anxiety. I always feel like it's just mental. It's like anxiety. Yeah, I'm with you on that 100%. I, I don't forget, uh, we were playing Seattle last year, and it was a fir- – we went three and out, but on that third down, I had a – like uh, it was a, it was like a uh, stop and go, and I was just pulling a trailer behind me. I could hardly run. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, this is a bad call. I need to go regroup. I need yeah, to I like, regroup. Coach, I need – can the defense like have an eight-play drive, hold them to the field goal? I'll be ready after that. It's the I get it. I get it. So 2019, you guys have a historical season. Mm-hmm. As I'm watching this play out, it brought back a lot of memories for my 2015 season. We have a historically great season. And unfortunately for both of us, we, yeah. we come up short in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I remember walking off the field after losing the Super Bowl and watching Denver celebrate we had just gone 17 and 1. Yeah. We never thought in a million years that we were going to lose. We were scoring 35 a game in the playoffs against Seattle. We put up 34 against Seattle. We put up 40 plus against the Cardinals. I mean, we were rolling. Mm-hmm. We come up to Denver. We stink. They beat us. I remember the next three days, I remember more than I remember the game. I remember walking off the field. I remember the plane ride home. I remember going to sitting at a Mexican restaurant with Cam and Luke and Ryan Khalil and just crushing margaritas and like queso dip, just like drowning our sorrows. Like, yep. Similar experience. Like, can you see? <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, after, yeah, I mean, I remember definitely everything post Super Bowl. Um, let's see. I was up to like 6 a.m. just like talking football with my dad and my family. And then at 8 a.m., I caught a flight to Vegas with Richard Sherman. How was it? Let's talk about that. How was that? It's a blast. I bet. I'll tell you, if you want to go to Vegas, like Richard Sherman's a great guy to go to Vegas with. He's connected? Oh, yeah. He, like, I mean, Where do you guys a, stay? Uh, honestly, I have no idea what it was. Like, we, we, got dropped, we, had, we took a private jet. There's like the whole defense, and then it was like me and a couple other offensive guys. How did, how did the offensive cut? How did you make the cut? Uh, well, Sherman invited a bunch of guys, and it was like – I mean, obviously you win. I think the whole team goes. Yeah. But it's just, you know, it is what it is. Not everyone wanted to go. But I was like, I'm not going to not go to Vegas. You have to go. Yeah, like I'm not going to not go. Um, and we literally, as soon as we got off the jet, put us in like these buses with super tinted windows. And next thing I know, I'm in a ho- like in the back door of a hotel. I'm like, hey, here's your room. You're going to meet out here. There's a private place to, you know, you know, go to go gamble and stuff. Otherwise, you guys are on your own. And I was like, done. I'm in. Yeah. No, don't. Me and my wife had a blast. That sounds I'm glad your wife went. That makes you oh, feel yeah. better. That makes oh, yeah. you feel better. I actually, yeah. I mean, I, I, this is the second time I've gone to Vegas with my wife, and yeah. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, it's she better. does Vegas well. She does Vegas well, though. Perfect. Yeah, she yeah. thrives. I get it. I get it. But uh, <laughs> I remember like not turning on the TV. Nope. Like, I couldn't stand like if on Twitter there was a picture of them like on the parade. Like it's still to this day like something that I think about a lot. Yeah, it sucks. It's awful. I don't it know sucks. if people people know it sucks, but no. until you lose the Super Bowl, you have no idea how bad it sucks. No, it's it's literally it's it sucks. It's just it is what it is. There's no and way around it. Yeah, and you're just kind of like, well, that was a lot of hard work for nothing. It's still like it's, at the yeah. same time, like hey, like you know, winning the NFC Championship was a blast. Like we had a so, great season and yep. stuff. But you're just kind of like, well, I get it. Things have the ball has to bounce our way again for a whole season. That's the crazy but thing. Getting back there. Yeah, but you guys are so talented. You're so young. Um, Nick Bosa is really good. How's he? Is he any good? 
That guy's an animal. I'm telling you, your whole D line though is ridiculous. It's in. I I was thrilled. So you guys get rid of um, Defoe. You get rid of DeForest Buckner. You send him to Cleveland, right? Colts. Colts. And I'm like, yes, one less guy. Knowing we got to play you now twice a year, and then you guys go ahead and draft the damn animal out of friggin' South Carolina, wherever he's from. He is a monster. I mean, can you guys? I so every time I watch the draft, every time someone in my division draft picks. I want them to pick like a guard, an offensive draft tackle. Offensively. Just draft anyone who doesn't have to go against me. Don't draft the safety in the first round. Don't draft some animal D lineman. And damn, you guys go ahead and you do it again. Well, I'm pretty sure the Seahawks and the Cardinals each drafted only safeties and linebackers. Ridiculous. Yep, they're coming after us, baby. But I think they're coming <laughs> after you. I'm more of just a one. I'm just more of a See, stopgap. See, that's what you think, but you're going to be just sneaky the whole season and just catch a bunch of touchdowns. I'm ready, bud. I'm, this, I'll tell you what. When you're 35, just hope that there's a virtual offseason. Don't hope that there's a global <laughs> pandemic, but hope when you're 35 that for whatever reason there's no actual offseason. This has been the best. Awesome. It's been the best offseason of my entire career. I've so never, fun. I've never had better training. I've never been able to stick to my nutrition, my meals, my recovery. It, there's nothing else to do. No, it's awesome. Like literally my day is, okay, I got my lift and I got my speed work and then I have my OTA meetings and then I'm just going to recover the rest of the day. Um, and that's all it is. It's amazing. I don't have to worry about anything else. Like like OTAs is really nice, especially for rookies, you know, like to get their reps and they figure yeah. out your offense and stuff. But if you don't have to take the wear and tear on your body, it's amazing. It's amazing. Wow. Oh, like what's more fun than the re- in, than run game in shells? Oh. And you get that you get that overzealous rookie who puts his face mask on your collarbone. I, oh. Like my my first rep uh, of last year, I'm pretty sure. Like we're in shells, and I had a sift block, so I'm coming back across the formation. We're in shells, and Solomon Thomas, who's he's a strong, he's a he's a horse, yep, right? Yep. He just put his his face mask through my whole shoulder. I did like a 360 spin, and I was like. Come on, guy. Oh, oh goodness gracious. How, I was like, no, please don't. No awareness. Oh, dude, but, I, that's, uh, the, that's what I do not like about OTAs is run game. It's just so tough. the worst. I just want to go in for the passes. <laughs> well, obviously, you know, you've had a historical, historically great first three years. The talk of the offseason now is George Kittle's going to reset the market. I had a great talk with Tony G about it. And I blamed him that the tight end market is so low. He was so great for so long that no one was able to ever build the market up because he True. was the market. Well, yep. here for really the first time, we have a guy, being you, who has every possibility to just not only top the market but to blow it out. And we've mm-hmm. all read your agent's comments, and I'm not asking you to say anything crazy, yeah. but this is something that I just hope you realize, no pressure – because you're holding the hopes for every single future tight end who's going to come to the NFL for the next decade. you yes. got to set this mark. Yep. All right. I just want to make sure you understand the gravity of the situation. Oh, I know. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, like I said, tight ends have not been respected for long enough. Uh, I, the, the, that bar needs to go yep. up a little bit. And by a little bit, I mean a lot. A lot. A yeah, lot. It does. So tell so, me, like, so just tell well, us right like, now how, how much do you want? I mean, just tell us. I'm just kidding. You don't have to I, tell us. I just want what I'm deserving. I, you don't got to tell me, brother. I was the worst contract negotiator as a player. <laughs> like, I wanted to take the first deal that anyone ever offered me. Like, and my agent would be like, dude, you got to calm down. Like, I always timed the market wrong. I, I had my first 1,000-yard season going in. I had one more year left on my deal, and they came to us with an extension. 
And I was like, yeah, definitely do an extension. That next year, I had 1,100 yards, and we went to the Super Bowl. And I was like, shit, I would have been a free agent after 1,100 yards and a Super Bowl. I could have reset the market. So yeah. I've had horrible luck, so I hope you crush the market. That's that's the plan. I can't wait to, you know, I think it's going to be really fun. You think? Yeah. I think it will. <laughs> I think it will. I think uh, safe to say that's it. You know, you know what else I was thinking, which would be cool, and I don't know if we should have thought of this earlier in the offseason. You know how they do that, like, O-line camp, and they get, like, O-linemen from around the country? We, I'm all in. We need to do, we need to pick a city. and Vegas. Done. Yeah. Done. That's exactly That's what, what I was thinking. So, so they so they, hear me out now because Lane Johnson, he's a close friend of mine. My dad coached him when he was at Oklahoma. We should do because they do it in Vegas, yeah. and I think I think they're still doing it this year. Actually, I don't know where they're doing it. All right, but we should try to tie it in with them. We'll do our own tight end thing, and we could also we could come together for like a tight end offensive tackle day. That sounds awesome. I love O linemen. I always hang with the better. They're the best people. All right, let's when we after this call, we're gonna connect. We're gonna get Kelsey. We're gonna get Ertz. We're gonna get Gronk. We're gonna get guys from all over the league, and we're gonna do a a tight end, a national tight end off season day. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, we're gonna we'll we'll work on the branding. We'll work on the branding. That was my first thought. First, we're gonna we're gonna let Kelsey do the branding, and we'll just do everything behind the scenes. Done. He's got it. Done. Yeah. yeah. All right. That that's gonna happen. I like that. That's a great idea. Yeah, I, I think that'd be fun, fun, man. Are you, like that's what like tight end. Like I said, one. I don't think we get the respect that we deserve, but I don't know if we like we work together enough because we all like do the same stuff. So might as well help each other. And then the more like the better tight ends that you have, the more money that the tight ends can make together. High tide raises all ships. Exactly. That's what I want. Right. I'll be blast. Well, be the high tide. Well, listen, <laughs> listen, bud. This has been. This has been awesome. And again, thanks for taking this time. As I said, you've set, you've brought the tight end position to levels that I don't know anybody thought. You know, after the Gronks and Kelsey, I think everyone might have thought that was going to be it for a while. And now here comes you, and you jump onto the scene in only three years to continue to elevate the position. You are the types of guys that we want to talk to. You're the type of guy that I know I root for. I watch every Thursday when I look at the handful of guys around the league to see what they're mm-hmm. doing. You're one of them. So keep doing your thing, man. I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective, not only on your career, your family, your life, the tight end position. We got to stick together. Oh, yeah. And we got to get to Vegas for an off-season program. Got to get to Vegas. And we're going to train. Maybe a Ibiza. Like, who knows? I mean, I heard I heard <laughs> that's the place to go. So, we'll, yeah, why not? I'm open-minded. Yeah, I'm I'm good on that too. Awesome. But yeah, also yeah, good luck with you in Seattle, man. That's gonna be a blast. Just don't play very well against us. I'll see you twice a year, buddy. I'll see you yeah, twice a year. Just like just score like one touchdown and then don't do anything else though. Well <laughs> same to you. Yes, sir. Take care, bud. I mean, what can you say about George Kittle? The guy's incredible. What he's done in his first three years in the NFL is unheard of. And he's got the personality, he's got the the charisma to match. He's going to be a superstar in this league for a long time, and he plays a huge role into kind of bringing this conversation into the modern times. If you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and tell your friends. Next episode, I'll be talking to Cole Komet, so be sure to listen in. TE1 is a Blue Wire podcast. 